This is Just Football. Hello and welcome to Just Football. This is a podcast about, well, just football. Uh, so with me this week, well, I'm actually delighted to say this, is all three of us uh, on this episode, which is, uh, it's, it's been it's a while. Been, it has been a while since all three of us has joined the hat trick of, uh, of hosts. Yeah, it's the hat trick, the three musketeers, the three amigos, the triumvirate. Yeah. Well, whatever you want to call it, but we are back for, it's been, it's been a long time, hasn't it? Weeks, surely. Well, it feels longer, so but it's good to be back. Uh, but we've got another action-packed agenda. Some of it will be a little somber, hopefully some of it you'll enjoy as well. But we'll start off with the FA Cup, which happened this weekend. Did either of you see anything to do with the FA Cup? Um, I saw. It, I watched the Tottenham game on Friday night, um, and I I didn't see any other highlights. To be honest, I followed a couple of results, um, but not too heavily. So um, I saw the majority of the Newcastle game, and I think I saw the first half of the Chelsea game, which was probably the the, the, the worst half to have watched when all the goals came in the second half. <laughs> uh, by all accounts. The Tottenham match wasn't very entertaining, so I saw a lot oh, I of... I did um, see that one, actually. Sorry, yes, I forgot. That was on a Friday night. So you forgot about it. So it, it was on the Friday night. I mean, it wasn't a, a vintage yeah, yeah. game, but it was on the Friday night. I mean, stunning goal, but the rest of the game... Yeah, well, yeah. incredible. If you haven't seen it, go and find it. It's uh, Pedro Porro. Brilliant. Wonder strike. So let's um, let's go through some of the results. Uh, I, won't go through, I won't go through all of them, because... I think I will still be announcing them at the end of this pod. Uh, but I'll pick up some of the key key results who I personally think are interesting or of some importance. We'll start with the one uh, you, you mentioned, Dan B, which was the Newcastle beating Sunderland uh, 3-0 at the Stadium of Light. You saw the game. Any reaction response to it? There were three things not about the game directly itself, but um, there was um, the first thing I was thinking was how they were allowed to play in those kits. Because yeah. it, that was shocking, shocking decision. I think it was uh, Dan. You, you didn't see it. it. Was they were clashing? So Sunderland were allowed to wear their uh, red and white. Newcastle wearing their black and white stripes, and it did. It was difficult to pick out. I thought. Oh really? Yeah. It was, and I think to, I suppose, to compound things, Sunderland were in black shorts as well, weren't they? And Newcastle yes. and white. Yeah, yeah. So it made it even more difficult. And I know when I've been playing football, I don't typically look at the shirts who I'm passing to. You kind of look at the shorts and socks. Yeah. You head up quickly, then you go down to look at the ball. And then, yeah. yeah it was, it was funny. confusing. Yeah, it was funny. Um, there was some... Juicy challenges going on in that game as well. Yeah, I saw some of those. Yeah, no, I mean it was it was a good game, and you know, and um, sort of for a for a derby of that magnitude. Um, yeah, out, outside of that, I think yeah, a couple of good goals. The um, do you see what Newcastle did after the game? Yeah, this is something I wanted to um, talk about. 
So what are your then did you then S, did you see that? No, I, I saw essentially there's a team photo on the pitch. Um but I don't know any of the back or whether that was just it and that was seen as a bit of a mick take. I, I don't know, but um but yeah, I could do with someone to elaborate further. Well, they normally yeah, do it in the changing room, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So they they took a photo on the pitch in front of their their fans in the way end. Yeah. Um, I think they're behind a board or something as well. Mm. So yeah, basically, basically a team photo celebrated their third round win over Sunderland. Okay. I mean, for me personally, I find it really weird that they do that. Um, this, this isn't the celebration police. And woo, woo, woo. No, they can't do that. But it was the third round. It was against a championship team. Yes, they are rivals. But I, I don't know of any other club that would do that. A lot of clubs do it in, in the change rooms, don't they? And they post it on, yeah. on Instagram um, or on social media. I'm not, As you said, I've not seen it out on the pitch. Um, so maybe was... a little bit odd. I was going to say, I don't know if there's much in the build-up to it, if there was anything said, but I think it was a quite a hotly contested match. And also there was a whole thing with the, the was it the bar being decorated in Newcastle colours, which, again, that That's whole right, fixture yeah. just felt everything that potentially, not could go wrong, but could be controversial. It felt like it happened in that game. Yeah, it's almost as if there's more controversy outside of the game yeah. than the actual game. Yeah. I think everyone expected Newcastle to win. But, yeah, it's more news outside of the game rather than what happened on the pitch, mm. which is quite interesting. Yes, yeah, so I suppose uh, you beat Burnley 1-0 with a Pedro Porro. Uh, wonder strike. Amazing goal. Uh, Arsenal lost 2-0 to Liverpool, unfortunately, yesterday. But we'll come on to Arsenal a bit more in a bit. But for me, I haven't watched many games. I was really entertained by it, which is quite unusual for me at the moment. So I've been watching football games. I haven't watched many. I've struggled to watch them. So it's been boring or not very entertaining. This was entertaining. Uh, Arsenal could have won, should have won, but they didn't. You've got to take chances to, to go through. Now, the biggest result over the weekend was Maidstone United mm. beating Stevenage 1-0. Mm. So I think their non-league team believe they're step is it six or seven six, in the yeah. pyramid. Yeah. Step six. Which kind of reminds me of Stevenage beating Newcastle yeah. in the FA Cup as well, those years ago. And I was there for that match. I think one of you was as well, weren't you? Or am I misremembering? I, I wasn't I wasn't sure Stevenage beat Newcastle. I thought they got to play Newcastle. No, I thought beat, New- yeah, they played them in the FA Cup and beat them. Oh. Because okay. I was um, I was there when I was outside the stadium. I saw everyone's best current best friend, Joey Barton, outside. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, any thoughts on Joey Barton? He's one of the things I didn't mention in our sort of uh, pre-match huddle. Pre-match <laughs> huddle. Where, where do we start? I, 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 yeah. I don't know the full extent of absolutely everything he's saying because I I tend to drown it out. But yeah. obviously he's at. He seems to be attacking a few female players, pundits, etc., etc. Um, he doesn't strike me as a role model that's able to preach this sort of <laughs> preach this sort of stuff. Like he's a model male role model, right? Is that what? I'm... 
if that's the right word. Nearly there, yeah. Yeah, nearly there. Um, it's just a shame he's got a, such a large following, really, just based on based on his previous profile, that he, he can save his words and it gets listened to. Yeah, I, I wonder if part of this, he's launched a new podcast, and I wonder if it's to try and drum up listenership for it. Possibly, but, but it's time, definitely going the wrong way about it. Yeah, riling up the vast majority of football fans. Yeah. It, yeah, some of the things he says about, because um, it started off about female pundits, and I don't know how much it's kind of gone on from there about female pundits being involved in the men's game. Now, some of the, I do kind of get that, you know, some female pundits who I don't think are that, that great, but you, you can't say that <laughs> because they are female. But at the same, same thing, I feel like there's some male pundits which are absolutely useless. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we should stop looking at if we want to rate someone's ability of, of how to do their job. We should stop looking at what gender they are. Um, if, if that makes sense, there's, I, I don't know. There's also you can have a critical view, you can have a controversial view, but it's the way you put those views forward. And if you look yes, at some of the languages used, especially with the comments to ITV, <laughs> that's the problem I've I've got with it. I mean, I agree with you what you said. It. Yeah, there's plenty of male pundits in, in the past. How many people have said they turn the commentary off on on the TV? Yeah, um, absolutely. And possibly listen. Michael Owen being the one that springs <laughs> the mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's not, you know, let's not kid ourselves there. But it's how you put an argument forward. And yeah, I don't kind of even want to give his his argument oxygen. Um, well, you shouldn't need to because it's commentary. You're not playing the game. Uh, these are people who have played the game. And at a very high level, um, some higher than him. Yeah. So it really hasn't got a pedestal to uh, stand on. Uh, although my far- current favourite commentator is Alan McCoyst. Yes, I, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I yeah. think he's... Um, you always feel like you're down the pub watching it with him, don't you? It's, it's that yeah. sort of feel to it. I think it's really good. It's his enthusiasm. I love it. And he doesn't show any bias. So you might have you know, Jamie Carragher or, or Gary Neville... Always showing bias to their clubs. McCoy just tells it, tells it how it is, gives you an element of truth, but with a bit of background because he's played the game. Just my only last thing I'd say on on Barton was, you know, a couple of weeks ago when he got involved in the Mary Earps uh, discussion about her winning the um, Sports Personality of the Year, he made a, a throwaway comment about he could score a hundred penalties against her. I think. And there was someone on Twitter offered a lot of money. I can't remember if it was either to him or to the charity, if he could do that. And I don't believe he's taken that offer up yet, which um, I say speaks, which I think speaks volumes. But there's not even no need to even say that comment, exactly. is there? Exactly. Like, if you're going to like say she's that... Had a success, yeah. She's had a successful year. She's established herself as a top-class female goalkeeper. She's done a lot outside of the sport. There's just no need to kind of... Yeah be patronising like that to, you know, from someone that served a jail sentence that has <laughs> yeah. failed at football, um, you know, played a few minutes for England. I think he got on once, didn't he, for a few That's minutes? 18 minutes or something like that. Eight, 18 minutes, one England camp. I just don't think he's got a right to even the thing is, would he compare issue, himself. Would he issue that challenge to, say, Emmy Martinez or or, or Aaron Ramsdale yeah. or David Rayo 
or you know he, no he, he, he has he wouldn't and he hasn't that's the thing yeah. yeah and we look at it mary Earps. she's not alone but she's done an incredible amount to raise it profile on women's football yep. joe barton's done the, the, the opposite he, he's made this sort of perception of men's football worse because of his uh, opinions and values yeah yeah and i, I also think if you asked a hundred people, uh, did they think positively of Mary Earps or negatively? They're going to say positively. Like, I've, you, you, you're looking at high 90s, aren't you? With Joey, Bart is, Joe, Joey Barton, it's the other way around. It's going to be definitely below 50%. <laughs> definitely, yeah. So w- while we're on the women's game, uh, Sam Kerr, who earlier in our WhatsApp I called him Miranda Kerr, or Carr, <laughs> so, hands up to my mistake. So she's uh, injured her ACL, which is um, obviously really bad for Chelsea. She plays for Chelsea. I think she scored she scored four goals in eight games. So she she injured her ACL on Chelsea's warm weather training camp, which is in Morocco. So she's been out for a she's been out for a long time. But I guess this type of injury is really prevalent in women's football. Yeah. If we look at those who have been impacted, and these are high profile players, we'll start with the Arsenal ones. Which so we've got Leah Williamson, Beth Mead, and Vivian Miedemar. Now two of those you could argue impacted England's chances of winning the World Cup. Yeah. And then you've got the Ballon d'Or winner for twenty twenty three, which is uh, Alexia Putellas. She missed the World Cup because of the ACL. And France striker Marie Antoinette Katoto. She, she's been out with ACL as well. Now, what's interesting is I did do a bit of research this morning. And there is there's a doctor called Dr. Katrin Ockham Krieger. And she says women have a two to five times higher risk of getting the anterior cruciate ligaments or ACL injuries over men, which is a. Uh, it's quite significant. So there needs to be more, I guess there's going to be more research done into those type of injuries, injuries why women are more impacted. But also a lot of the boot manufacturers now are making and starting to make football boots specific to women. And trad- traditionally they've been using men's football boots and now they're going to use uh, women's, which is uh, it's quite good to see. Any thoughts on that at all? No, it's obviously, I think, that sort of injury for like a football career, which is already relatively short, isn't it? Um, in general, professional a professional footballer, what can go on about 10, 15 years? Yeah. So to lose kind of a year of that to an injury uh, before you even consider any other injuries is it must be heartbreaking. And, yeah. and for her, she was obviously, you know, she's top of her game, isn't she? She's top scorer in the Premiership at the moment, is she? Or yeah. Women's Super League? And, yeah, incredible player. She really yeah. is. It is a shame, and I guess they're not getting paid as much as the men. Yeah. So their income income will be impacted probably a lot more. Yeah. Well, I suppose significantly compared to men. Frieza to up to be a pundit for a year, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the one thing before I hand over to you, Dan P, when you're a transfer corner, transfer roundup, is just a shout out to Seismic Soccer, who gave us a really good fact about um, a hat trick, which was yesterday. There's a, there's a player 
called Muirhead. He scored a hat-trick last week. He scored a perfect hat-trick, so left foot, right foot, header. And he was suspended uh, for the following match. And this is for, I believe it's Greg Morton up in Scotland. And then Big George stepped up and got a hat-trick of his own this week. Wow. And that was a perfect hat-trick as well, wasn't it, if I read that tweet properly? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. So you got two different players scoring perfect hat tricks for the same club. Who do you drop? Who do you drop? Or do you just revert to four four two? Well, I'm expecting six goals in the next match. So we'll have to keep an eye on Greenock and see what happens. So, uh, did you see? Sorry, going back to the FA Cup. Did you ever really see on. Bamford's goal? No, Patrick Bamford. If you can check it, check it out on Twitter. Have a look. Um, it was it was a stunning goal actually. He kind of came into him, a cross came into him he's, I think he's just outside the box back to goal, chests it down turns and volleys it straight into the goal it's, it's just one of those, you know when you see a really good goal, it doesn't matter who scored it or what team it's just, it, yeah. yeah, it was it was, it was was one of those honestly um, for a player who's so what, gone quiet sort of he has, was it as good as the goalkeeper's goalkeeper's goal from the other week so he oh, came up as a striker and I think Dan, did you did we did we speak about that? We talked about that last week, didn't we? Whenever a goalie yeah. scores, I think whenever a goalie scores, it's always better. It, I, I just love things like that. But he was an outfield in, player, in the, though. So in the in the Tottenham game, uh, the Burnley keeper nearly got an assist, yeah. an assist in the last yeah. minute, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, came up for corner, headed, glanced it did on. He? Yeah, we were lucky not to concede that. I do love a keeper scoring. I, I remember back in the day, sort of about five years ago or so, Biggles Wade United. I think it might have been, I can't remember if it was a cup game or a league game, but we were 1-0 down. Keeper comes up. I think it was a corner or a free kick. Just scores a volley into the top corner to make it 1-0. Beautiful. beautiful. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's anything more satisfying than watching a clean struck volley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you connect well and you and it ripples the net without being touched as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's also something funny about a keeper taking a penalty. It's a keeper against a keeper. I don't know. It always feels like you know because they always talk about the goalies' union. There was um, wasn't there a few probably about ten or so years ago? There was a keeper that used to come up and take free kicks all the time, wasn't there? With Rene Higuita. Yeah. yeah, was it for, was it for the international team? I think as well. Yeah, it kind Columbia. of come up in the world. Yeah. yeah, and he talk about playing out from the back. He would take extreme risks, yeah. extreme. Yeah, but he was a character as well. Yeah. Do you remember the scorpion kick against England? It was a friendly. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, was that him as well? It was, wasn't it? Peter, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Stan, let's let's um. This guy's transfers. What have you got for us? It's actually been a bit quieter than I thought it would be because I know January when... Oh, no, oh, don't start with that. <laughs> you, you, you've, picked, you've picked up this transfer <laughs> corner for a few days now. Don't start with that. Well, there's not much... No, news. no, there's stuff, there's stuff. <laughs> but I thought teams would move a lot quicker because I know January's normally a slower window, but I think there's a lot of teams need players at the moment. Um, in terms of things that have happened, the majority actually seem to be loan recalls um i'm just having a look down i'll only call out some of the big ones so liverpool these are all loan returns have called back fabio carvalho reese williams amongst two or three others um united this is um 
United have got a few things going on. So Donny van der Beek has gone out to Eintracht, Eintracht Frankfurt on loan. There are rumours that the Sancho to Dortmund is almost done again. They're looking at getting him out, which yeah. I think for all, all all involved is just the right thing to do now. <clears throat> the interesting one is Sergio Reg- Regulon has been sent back to Tottenham. Now, this was interesting for two things. One, because from what I saw, the fans, the Man United fans, did actually like him for their team. Also, Dan, I think you picked up, or, or one of you found a tweet, aren't they after... Oh, they're after Messing, yeah, aren't they? It was very... <sighs> Oh, hang on. Sorry, two seconds. Yeah. I think they're after Sessignon, which now, it, I, I just don't get that, that kind of move there. It seems weird, unless Reglan's going to move elsewhere, maybe a permanent transfer. Well, the thing is, I, I get the impression he can't play for Tottenham if we want to spend he might have played for too many clubs. So I'm not sure we can even use him um if we if we want to sell him on we can only use him if we in, intend to keep him so yeah in, interesting what's thing there but i think they have had luke shaw injured haven't they and i think the the reason why Reggio went up there in the first yeah. place is because luke shaw injured and there was another player in that position injured yeah. and they're now both about to return so i think there was a you've done your job now um you need to go back but like you said then being interested in session doesn't make sense to me because i think Reggion is a better player than yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sessegnon, so it, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, so that that that's uh, that's United. So I think the Sancho thing is is going to be an interesting one to watch. Here. Tottenham have had three players recalled, so they've got Dane Scarlett back, Regulon, as I mentioned, and Jed Spence. Um, on top of that, it's not been named as official here, but I think it is pretty much a done deal now. We've we've got Timo Werner for the rest of the season, which is an interesting one. So, by all accounts, um, Ange wanted him, and it's Ange that's pushed this one through. So, correct me if I'm wrong, you formally announced it yesterday. You said it was done deal. I did, but that's just because, you know, obviously I'm ahead of the time. So, you that's know, why I like to hear the, uh, <laughs> You hear it first on Just Football. No, I think, yeah, clubs seem to take ages. They've probably got to get the video ready, haven't they? The unfading video. Yeah. Um, him playing a piano or something. Um, so, Timo Werner. Now, Tottenham are in. Uh, there was a, um, another player I thought we were very close to. There's a centre-back, Radu Dragicid, 21-year-old centre-back at Genoa. Um, it looks like Bayern are looking to hijack that deal. Bayern Yeah. Bayern are buying them. Yeah, they, well, they're looking to hijack that. So I think I have seen us linked to another, um, I just saw it today, um, another uh, centre-back, I think, in, from Spain, uh, but I don't have that to hand. The other interesting thing around Tottenham is there was rumours circulating. So Hugo Lloris went, and I think we mentioned that um, last week, Dan. The other one is an interesting one, potentially, of Dyer going to Munich, which, again, is an interesting one. An interesting one. Um, I think it's a, if, if that pulls off, that's a great move for him because um, he's obviously gone from Tottenham regular to being on the fringe of a squad yeah. and then to go to a club which is near the top of a Bundesliga and plays in Champions League. He could win the league but, and um, the Champions League. Yeah, what, what an opportunity for him. Um, 
he's just not in favour at Tottenham at the moment, is he? He's um, he kind of comes on when we're really really short. And actually, this season I've been more impressed with him than I was last season, where he's come on and been a bit of a, a bit of a leader. Um, yeah, shame to see him go because he's been at Tottenham for ages, and I think he's done fairly well on the whole, whole of it. But yeah, no, absolutely. Um, there's a few other rumours at the moment which I'll come back to. But in the women's league, these have happened. You've got Matilda Vinberg from Hammerby to Tottenham, Charlotte Grant from Vitcho to Tottenham. It seems to be Tottenham in the market in the women's game at least. Mm-hmm. Shalina Zadorsky Tottenham to West Ham and Noel Moritz Arsenal to Aston Villa. Now, what I'll come back to is just a few of the other things. We've mentioned some of the rumours. You've got Radu Dragasi of Spurs, Ben Dyer. The big one is going to be Mbappe. Now, he is free in the summer, so he can sign a pre-contract. And apparently that's Madrid, but Madrid have given him a deadline, which he apparently hasn't liked. But I think he's got to respond by the end of this week. But apparently it was, it's a lesser contract than he was offered two or three years ago. But Mbappe's a big one to watch. Um, Danny Ings might be going to Wolves on loan. Uh, we've mentioned Sancho. Fabio Carvalho maybe going from Liverpool to Hull uh, on loan. Now, the interesting one, and, and Dave, as an Arsenal fan, I'd like to, to ask you. So everyone is going on about... Arsenal need a striker because I think you said yourself there's the last two or three games I think the amount of chances and shots and goal you've had but not been able to put away so there was talk about mm. Tony but it's it's looking like Brentford won't accept less than 100 million which I don't think is I don't think should be the case but then I heard yesterday on the radio that Solanke now being linked yeah so to start with Ivan Tony. He actually he's got a hat trick for Brentford Reserves the other day. I can't see any club buying Ivan Tony in the January transfer window. Two reasons. Number one, what club in their right mind is going to pay eighty to hundred million pounds for a player who has not played football yeah. no, for at least six months? Doesn't make sense. Number two, Brentford are really struggling and are heading towards a relegation zone. Can they afford to lose Tony and be relegated? I think it's in their best interest to keep him until the summer. Hundred million mark as well is just is just insane. And I think he's 27, 28. So you probably can get maybe two or three really good seasons out of them. Then anything after that is is declined, unfortunately. What? Yeah, Arsenal do need a striker. I don't think they'll get one in January because they're dealing with the FFP. So if we do get anyone, it'll be low. I was I was going to ask you what, what your thoughts are. Do you stick with, with what you've got? Because I think a few clubs at the moment, you look at them and you think need to do something, whether it's now or in, in, in June. But Tottenham would definitely won um, in terms of our squad. I think United have got a bit of shuffling. Chelsea, I think, also could do with a striker. And I think they were the other ones linked with Tony. Um, and, and it's Arsenal because, yeah, it's um, it feels like that is the key key part at the moment to the Arsenal team. Yeah, you, yeah I mean, Jesus was injured yesterday. But that's not a saying that we wouldn't have scored. So we didn't score with the players on the pitch. So let's see what happens. There's still a long, long way to go yet. Yeah. That's, that's the, the one thing 
That's it. I've got one, actually. And it's a manager transfer. Kind of a manager transfer. Free transfer, maybe. So, she, as you're aware, Wayne Rooney got sacked for being a terrible manager. It's, been, it's like Lampard and Gerrard. I don't know how these people get jobs. So well, he, did quite, he, did quite, he did quite well at Derby, though, didn't he? He did okay. But everywhere else, it's like uh, Gareth Southgate. He yeah. did well at Middlesbrough, but nowhere else. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so Wayne Rooney got sacked and he's been replaced by Tony Mowbray. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, yeah, so Wayne Rooney had 15 games in charge. Yeah, I think that is. He took him down from like, he, he went from about fourth or fifth, didn't he, down to 17th, was the league position, or something around those lines. Yeah, it was a free fall. Quite yeah. remarkable. That is, though, to, to only give him 15 games. I mean, I know it's, um, I know he, he, he would do him quite poorly. But it's like seriously, fifteen games is that? Is that a measure? And um, how disruptive has that now been to their season? Well, I, I guess you, you question the Birmingham board. So why did they sack the previous manager when they're in sixth place and looking? Yeah. You know, it's a long way to go, but looking good for uh, playoffs or promotion. It's in the naming, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. the name doesn't always work. Yeah, that's it. What are you going to trans- do? That's it for transfers for this week. I think, I think next week, stay tuned because I think there'll be some exciting news next week. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll get a jingle in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about next is, and actually, Dan, as you actually mentioned this, and I'm a bit surprised, but no more red. Mm-hmm. So no more red is uh, it's a campaign by Arsenal. We actually mentioned this on our in our 12th episode as well as Arsenal won an award for it. So what I want to do is give you a brief overview of No More Red and uh, some of the other touch points. Uh, so No More Red was launched in January 2022 to support the long-standing work undertaken by uh, Arsenal and Adidas to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Uh, so basically what happens is so once a year Arsenal will wear effectively an all-white kit moving away from the traditional red and white to support um, basically all the work that's being undertaken uh, so the white kit is never on sale and there are members of the community who can earn that kit or be given a kit by the football club so you can't just go out and buy it although this year I believe they're going to do a community T-shirt so people can buy to support the No, no More Knives as well. Uh, so any profits are given to charities. And charities' examples are the Arsenal Foundation, uh, Abbey Ender, which is the Abbey Billinghurst and Associates, uh, Octopus Community Network, Box Up Crime, Stephen Lawrence Day Foundation, Don't Stab Your Future, Ben, Sin- ben Kinsella Trust, Steel Warriors, Copenhagen Youth Project, and the St. Giles Trust. That's probably worth noting, not just a gimmick on Arsenal's behalf because obviously they're not making any money out of it, but I think it is a really good message that the club is sending out. Uh, and on the back of it, in the news today, so Idris Elba, uh, actor, one of my favourite actors, he's calling on the government to take action. And I believe he's going to be releasing a new single 
to to you know help with the knife crime issue. Uh, the the single is called Knives Down, and it's about his frustration with the government for what he perceives is their inaction on knife crime. Uh, so Idris Elvis, I didn't know this, but he's collaborated collaborated with Jay Z and James Blake. But I can tell you what the songs are called. I didn't do that research. Uh, it's also worth noting um, that from July 2022 to 2023, so it's England and Wales, 247 people lost their lives due to knife crime. Um, we've seen this quite high profile on the news recently. So 15-year-old Alfie Lewis, he was stabbed in Leeds in November 23, November 2023. And Harry Pittman, who was killed on New Year's Eve 2023, uh, yeah, well, losses down to a, something that's truly terrible. Yeah, uh, it's also worth sorry, there's one more yeah. thing. Uh, so there's, there's a guy called on Twitter called Tom Skinner who works at Boss Gym and he's offering uh, an amnesty on knives. People can go to his gym, drop off knives, and actually get free transportation there and also get some boxing training, which is a really good uh, sentiment and worthwhile exercise. No, I was just going to say on that, I mean, yeah, you can't, you know, it is it is a great initiative. It's a shame we need to have these initiatives, um, but it's, it's, it's a great thing to do. And, and when, when a team like that can change, you know, something as simple as changing the colour of the kit, it does have an impact um, because of the message it sends. But I, w- I was going to say, yeah, because you mentioned Harry Pittman's, that was New Year's, wasn't it? New Year's Eve. And uh, it was, yeah. I've got to say in the, in the Spurs game, because he was a Spurs fan, they did have, at, in the 16th minute, they put his picture up on the boards and the crowd gave the minutes applause. Because, um, And again, it's it's little things like that that have quite a big impact when you see a huge, you know, the whole stadium get behind uh, something like that. And you realise, yeah, within kind of, you're watching a game of football, but when they can bring in something linked to the to the well quotes horrible quotes the real world like that it, it does have an impact it, it does and i think if you look from an arsenal perspective <clears throat> excuse me to change that kit from red and white to white see the same color as your local rival i think it says a lot it's more about the sentiment than rather the mm-hmm. rivalry yeah which is a nice way to bring people and fans together definitely so moving on, we're going to do our we're going to do a feature. So I hadn't done one for a while, but I'm going to do a feature. Do any of you know or have any ideas of what it's going to be about? Um, is it going to be about the FA Cup? It is not. Oh, this no, isn't a quiz. So you don't get no. points for it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, don't know. A clue. Okay, so we're going to talk about well, we're going to talk about the Africa Cup of Nations, okay. which starts uh, this weekend. Cool. We should have guessed that. Well, is that or the Asia Cup? So yeah. we'll, we'll see. Maybe next week I can look at doing the Asia Cup. Okay, so I'm going to give you an overview of the uh, the African Cup of Nations. I've nearly said Asia Cup. Uh, African Cup of Nations, also known as AFCON, as well. So. The story begins in 1956, coinciding with the formation of the Confederation of African Football, that's CAF, that's the equivalent of uh, UEFA or CONCACAF, 
or Cobnable. So it's driven by a desire to showcase African football and foster unity among nations. Uh, so CAF introduced a continental championship and the first was held in 1957. So it was a year after formation. The tournament was held in Sudan and it featured four teams, Egypt, Ethiopia, Sudan and South Africa. However, due to apartheid policy, South Africa insisted on picking only white players. And they were excluded from the tournament, which left a three-team tournament, of which Egypt emerged victorious. So the early years of Afcan, or oh, sorry, AFCON, were marked by irregular scheduling and a limited number of participating teams. Obviously, the first one had four. The one nineteen sixty-eight. The tournament had uh, adopted a biennial format, which means it happens every two years. So where the Euros and World Cup happens every two years, oh, sorry, every four years, to get my facts straight. Uh, and it expanded from four teams to eight teams. And this saw the rise of Ghana as, a, as an African superpower. And they won the, they became the first nation to win the title three times. 1963, 78, and 1982. As the 1780s progressed, AFCON popularity soared. Uh, so footballing giants like Nigeria, Cameroon, and Algeria emerged as dominant forces. They captivated their audience with flair and talent. However, the growing number of participating nations presented logistical challenges. And therefore, the, t the tournament went from 8 to 12 in 1992 to 16 teams in 1996. 1996 was, the f was hosted by South Africa. That made it its first ever appearance after its ban. Uh, and that was listed at the end of apartheid. Um, but they, they had attempted to fail, uh, sorry, they failed to qualify in the 1994 tournament. So the first time South Africa played in the tournament after their ban was the year they hosted it? Yep, 1996. Oh, wow, okay. Um, so at the turn of the millennium, we saw a number of changes in the format and scheduling of AFCON. In 2013, the tournament shifted to odd number of years to avoid clashing with the FIFA World Cup. And in 2019, the number of teams increased to 24. Uh, what we saw in the, in the most recent era is that North African teams have dominated, with Egypt winning the title, I think it's seven times between 2006 and 2010. So they've done quite well. And to date, there have been 15 unique winners or countries of AFCON, which actually is pretty impressive. When you look at the Euros, it's probably five or six, maybe. Yeah, World Cup as well, Not right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so to give you an idea, Egypt have won the tournament seven times. The most recent in 2010, Cameroon five, Ghana four, Nigeria 3, Ivory Coast 2, Algeria 2, the Democratic Republic of Congo 2, uh, then Zambia, Tunisia, Sudan, Senegal, Ethiopia, Morocco, and South Africa once. So South Africa, their first entry or 
the first attempt at the tournament where they hosted it, they also won it in 1996, which is pretty impressive. Uh, so the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations is due to start this weekend. Now, I know what you're going to ask. Well, Davis 2024, what's going on? I can see that's exactly what you're thinking. So it was meant to be held in 2023, but it was postponed in 2022 due to adverse weather conditions in the Ivory Coast, which is why now we're seeing a swathe of players going to uh, play for the Cup. Is it, is it still every other year if we do it? It's every two years, yeah. Every two years. Which is a great segue to my next bit. So in 2025, it will be hosted by Morocco. And in 2027, it will be hosted by Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda. So book your travel plans now or start making travel plans. And that's pretty much it for my AFCON uh, feature. Very good. It's interesting about um, Egypt have won it the most. I don't really ever recall Egypt doing well in the World Cup, whereas I, I recall other teams doing well, like having good runs. And maybe that's just my bad memory, but I, I never recalled Egypt being prominent. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think when you look at the World Cup, you're probably looking at Cameroon, Ghana, Senegal. Yeah, Nigeria. Uh, Nigeria yeah. Did quite well, don't they? Yeah. Nigeria. And Algeria, I think, did yeah. really yeah, yeah. well at the World Cup. I think they got to the quarters. Yeah. I believe they're, they're <coughs> more tournament favourites. The, uh, the current holders are Senegal. It'd be interesting because there's obviously a lot of Premier League players in there as well. Um, Salah, obviously, with with Egypt being one of the key ones. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember. I don't think it gets the, the, the shame is I don't think it gets too much coverage on on our TV, does it? That's the thing. I don't think it does, and I I wonder is it because it's held every two years? Maybe it's a bit more saturated, and perhaps because you're waiting four years, it's a bit more exciting. Is it also because it just falls within our league season? So, and it's a busy time yeah. of the league season, yeah. isn't it? And I think if you're a Premier League fan, you always groan when it's this year because you're like, oh, our players are going again. Good enough yeah. when it's an England oh, game, oh, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The the thing about the actually the Afcon. So, do you see Anana for United? So he, yeah, uh, yeah. he so he's going to play. He's decided. So he, he'd retired, hadn't he? I think from Cameroon. Then when he went to United, reinstated himself. But now, what he's doing is going to play for United against Tottenham on Sunday. Then fly out, and Cameroon have got a game on the Monday. So, yeah, I'm glad he sneaks the Tottenham game in. If I'm honest, <laughs> yeah, <I'd well. laughs> he's. He sneaks the Tottenham game in while he's probably a bit distracted. That sounds perfect. I mean, it's, it is how you look at it. So, obviously, as a Spurs fan, you, you've got that reaction. As a Man United fan, well, I don't know. You probably want that to happen. But as a as a, a national fan, are you going to be happy that you're, you're you're flying out and then going potentially straight into a game and not having done the camp with the rest of the players? I guess there's not much there's not much jet lag is there going to Africa? No, I no. guess it's only like an hour 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 or two, isn't it? Out. Yeah, I think most, well, lots of it in Africa is huge, but I think it's in a similar time zone. Let's yeah. say he gets an injury now against Tottenham. 
Yeah, that's true. And that's yeah. Scopper's uh, plans, uh, right? It, that could happen. He could pick up a remote control and get injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'd like to think it's probably more likely during the game. I, I, I just thought it was an interesting <laughs> thing about, you know, this whole player. I, I wonder if there is an element of he, when they signed him, I think, when they signed him, I think he still had resigned from the national team, I think. So I wonder if there's an element of he feels, if there's a bit of guilt, I don't know. Yeah, no, no idea. Um, the, so the, the AFCON opens on Saturday. Uh, 8 o'clock UK time for a match between the Ivory Coast and Guinea-Bissau. So the, the times look as though they'll be very watchable if you choose to watch it. So uh, we'll, we'll provide some updates on that tournament. Uh, before we leave, is there anything you want to say, do or mention? No, not for I wanted you to mention the thing you put in our WhatsApp chat. Oh, who was it about the manager? Non-league. Who, who it the yeah, the non-league manager who got but who got suspended. Oh, um, oh, I'm recording this from memory now. <laughs> so this is um, Pascal Chimbonda, it, yeah. um, who who formerly played for the Tottenham and was actually quite a good player. I quite liked him. Um, he is managing, which I assume is a non-league non-league side. Um, begins of F, I can't remember what it's called. Um, but he got a touchline ban, and to work around it, he's registered himself as a player. Um, so he'd, he'll be on the touchline as a player rather than a manager. Um, so yeah, so well done to him for, for using his initiative to, to work around that ban. Here we go, I found it. Yeah, it's Skelmersdale. Uh, <coughs> yes, yeah, Skelmersdale United FC, brilliant. I think that is, yeah, I think that's such a funny move, isn't it? I don't know how he's going to do it. Is he going to list himself as a sub, or is he actually going to go on the field? I'd be interested to see how it how it plays out of what he's going to do. So he's now no longer just a manager; he's a player manager. I I, right, I just love that, and I think I said to you, it is funny though. It just shows how you can get around the rules, right? Yeah, yeah. It also like shows how serious they're all taking it to even think about doing that. It's. Um, yeah, we're talking about non-league football, aren't we? You just think he'd just take his ban and just take five games out, but there you go. So can we see Arteta and Bagange as a sub in a couple of weeks' time? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think we have more chance with Arteta than Bagange. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so too. I'm not, I'm, I think Bagange is any sort of playing days are behind him. Uh, I've got one more thing, actually, before we leave, depart. So... It is on the FA Cup and the use of VAR. So if you're a Premier League team, say you have home ties a Premier League team, VAR would be used. If you're not a Premier League team, like Championship or lower, VAR won't be used if, if you play at a Championship or below ground. If this, is an, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because my automatic reaction should be the same for every club so if there's if there's grounds being used in the FA Cup which don't have VAR then the whole play the whole system should be scrapped from this tournament yeah but and I keep on going back to the tennis world but at Wimbledon all the Hawkeye um, technology is only used on the two main courts so they have the same thing whereas their outdoor courts don't have all the technology that the, 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 round, 
the matches played on the indoor, not the indoor courts, the main courts are. So there are other sports out there that do this. Um, but I'm not sure I agree with it. I, yeah, I think I've said on here that the minute you introduce teams that can't have it, it, it has to be applied across. And that is an interesting thing you say about tennis. It, in my head, it still feels different, but I can't explain why. Um, <laughs> yeah. It feels okay in tennis, doesn't it? But here it feels like a definite no. But like you said, I don't know why. Yes, well, I, well, sorry, Dave. I, I guess in ten- no, I guess I was going to say in tennis, maybe there isn't that home element to it, and it's it can be different players, and it doesn't matter who you are, you'll you'll get to that. But it, I, I don't know. It just feels like because, for example, you could have a city go to a non-league side, and city get a controversial goal given for them. And they go through when it should have been disallowed. But then in the in the Premier League game, those decisions, yep. you know, the VAR was still given it in favour of Man yeah, City. And not, or the AN yeah, and non-league side <laughs> may not get the rubber of the green in that sense. I don't know. I just think in football, we especially with how the thing is, Hawkeye we know works, VAR doesn't. Well, so I think, that, yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's Hawkeye. It's black and white. Is the ball in or out? Yeah. Whereas when you go into VAR, it's still subjective, and it's that person's opinion. Yeah, and it's not. It's not tennis is black and white. VAR is not. It's only used a few times, but, isn't it? Though, Hawkeye. Yeah. Uh, well, it does line calling all the time. Oh, sorry, I can't yeah, remember yeah. what it does now. I've gone. I've gone blank. I thought wasn't I? Hawkeye just for? It's a challenge. Yeah. So it's a yeah. challenge. I do the challenge, don't yeah. I? But what? What? I guess the same thing is why. Even if it's, you know, VAR is, you know, getting confused. Hawkeye is 100%, you're right. Um, but why should you be able to use it on centre court in a first round match, but you can't use it on court 13 on an outside match? That is the question. And that's that's what we're talking about in the FA Cup, isn't it? Is is that fair? Why are you throwing logic into this? Uh... <laughs> no, it just... Yeah, it feels I, think, well, I, think we, I think we should just be safe and so, let's scrap VAR completely from the Premier League I'd and the FA Cup I'd, just I'd in, so we don't have to have this conversation. I'd be happy with that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cuts out a lot of the noise, for sure. Yeah, yeah agreed. Nice. Okay, in which case, uh, any shout-outs you want to make? Uh, I want to shout out, I think you've already done, but Seismic Soccer, uh, Game Club Pod, and Two Blokes from Blighty. So hi to everyone there. Excellent, yeah. And for me, it's probably Chat Tsunami, who, who are trying to put all the independent podcasts and I suppose put them in a the collaborative so they can help each other out. Um, okay, cool. That's it. Then we'll wrap up and see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Just Football. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please share with your friends and family. We're available on all podcasting platforms and you can follow us on X at Just Football Pod. In the meantime, keep your head up and your eyes on the ball.